our sermon series. So last week, uh, we started this series. I called it More Presence, or excuse me, more, Believing for More in 2024. Believing for, a series where we've been talking about the liturgical church calendar. Uh, if you attended the services with Lynn Lapka, we were talking about the Jewish calendar. And we'll talk more this summer about the overlap and how those differ and why they differ. Um, I don't know that one is better than the other. Well, yeah, I do, because, I mean, the Jewish calendar is biblical. The other one's not. Um, not that it's not biblical. It just is extra biblical. And so I think there's value in the liturgical church calendar. I think there's value in celebrating Advent and what Advent means and the 12 days of Christmas and understanding why the church started to celebrate Christmas. Why December 25th? The Feast of Epiphany, the celebration of the wise men. And the next thing that's coming up on the liturgical calendar is actually something, if you're not from Pennsylvania or you're not a fan of church liturgy, you probably have never heard of. And that's the Feast of Candlemas. Any, has anyone ever heard of the Feast of Candlemas except Thaddeus, because I just told him today? <laughs> Feast of Candlemas, okay? All right, so this is coming up on February the 2nd. February the 2nd, Candlemas is the... It's the celebration from Luke chapter 2 where Mary, after having a boy in the Jewish culture, was unclean for 40 days. And so 40 days after December 25th is February 2nd. What, what did Mary and Joseph do in Luke chapter 2 after the 40 days of uncleanness were over? Well, they took a sacrifice and they went to the temple so that she could be purified. And so the Feast of Candlemas is the celebration of this time where Mary went into the temple. And if you remember, Simeon prophesied over young Jesus at that point when Mary was in the temple. And part of that prophecy, Simeon in verse 32 says that Jesus would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. So 40 days after the 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 Feast of Christmas, or Christmas Day, is the celebration of what was called Candlemas. And it's actually, uh, there's so much, so many layers, and we'll probably talk about it more. Um, you know, as the midpoint of winter, and as the days are starting to get longer, light, more light to the Gentiles and to the whole world, um, and such. And so, along the way, however, the Feast of Candlemas started to um, maybe celebrate or talk about this idea that if you had clear weather on Candlemas, that meant a prolonged winter. So you could prepare for it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know all the, the details or how it all started, but uh, so you would prepare for it mentally, physically, like winter was going to be harder and longer that year. And so if you're tracking with me, in 1840, on February 2nd, from the Feast of Candlemas, the small town of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, celebrated what we call Groundhog Day, today, which actually started out of the Feast of Candlemas. Okay, it's a German holiday. They were, they were actually looking at bears and the way bears acted on February 2nd, and now, you know, groundhogs. Uh, and so there is a connection there. Some of you think I make that up. It's, it's not. There's a connection. But today, totally just a drunk fest, and that's really all it's about, people having fun and partying in the middle of winter. And it doesn't matter whether he sees a shadow or not. Um, in South Dakota, it's going to be cold until Jesus comes. So um, I don't know. But it does give us hope in the midst of a long winter that, that spring is coming. And so 
Um, we'll talk more about candle moss, probably not Groundhog Day. Well, let's be honest, we'll talk about Groundhog Day too. Uh, but we'll talk about candle moss a little more as we get closer to it. But uh, as we talked about believing for more in 2024 last week, um, this is how I started it. I believe we cannot experience more by staying the same. I believe we cannot experience more by staying the same. We cannot keep doing what we're already doing and get different results. I believe that minor shifts in our lives can bring about major encounters with God. They can produce fruit in our lives. And so sometimes we're looking for like these big changes that need to be made. Um, it's, not always, it's not the big changes. I'm convinced it's not the big things. It's the little things. Watch the little things, the little foxes that Solomon says spoil the vine. Like those are, those are the key areas. And so as we go through this fast, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to give us minor shifts that need to be made, whether in our attitudes or in our actions or in our, just our, our viewpoints, like these minor things that I think are actually plugging up the kingdom of God in our lives. And so I, I, I covered a lot of it last week. We talked about... Um, what it means to believe, what I mean by more. Uh, we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, more presence, more progress, more purpose. I tied in the vision for our church, and you can go back and you can watch that online and, and listen to all that, but I don't have time to review it today. But I did give us some questions, and I want to review those questions. Because as a corporate body, and even as individual members, there are some things that I want us to, to wrestle with, and it all centers around the question of why are we here? Like, why are we here? Like, why are we on earth? Why are we in Huron? Like, as a church, why, why do we exist in Huron, South Dakota? What's the point of Restoration Church? Um, if you can't answer that question, be able to answer it. Holy Spirit, why, why are we here? Why am I here? Why am I in Huron? Why am I working the job I'm working? Why am I in this church? And if I believe that I'm in Huron because this is where God has me, if I believe that I'm in my job because this is where God has me, if I believe this, I'm in this church because this is where God has me, am I living like it? I mean, am I engaged in making my, my city better? Am I engaged in making my job better? Am I engaged in making my church better? Or am I just complaining about why it's not better? Or am I just, you know, coasting by and doing whatever I want to do, not necessarily what I signed up to do? I mean, I believe that some of us, we, we start jobs or we start something uh, and we give our yes to it, but we don't follow through on the commitments we've made. And I think that's a bigger deal than many of us realize. Um, and again, I'm going to keep repeating this over and over today. I'm not talking about a salvation issue here. I'm not saying if you don't follow through on your commitments, you're not a Christian or you're not saved or you're in danger of hell. But if you want to be more fruitful in the kingdom, you need to follow through on your commitments. Your yes has to be yes, and your no has to be no. And sometimes we give a no where we should be giving a yes, because our flesh wants to say no, and the Spirit says, give it a yes, and we're like, mm, no. Or we give it a yes, and we just never follow through, which is like giving a no, by the way, because remember the story of the two sons? Jesus said, the first son said, yeah, I'll go, and he never went. And the other one said, no, I'm not going to go. And later on, he changed his mind and went. Well, which one did the will of the Father? The one that went. So it's not about just how we start. It's about how we finish. So I want, us to, I want us over this time of fasting to really wrestle with what are we doing? Why are we doing what we do? Why do we attend church? Why do we serve? Why do we not serve? Why do we read our Bible? 
Um, Are we reading our Bible just to confirm the biases we already have? Or are we reading the Bible every day because we're like, I need to change today? How many of you know that right now you're perfect and nothing in your life needs to change? Yeah, right. See? Uh, So when we open the Scripture, we're like, Holy Spirit, prune me today. I need to be pruned. I want to be fruitful. Like, I need you to prune me. If you haven't felt the correction of the Holy Spirit this week, I'd say you're not seeking. Amen. Good word, Pastor Tom. Because he, he disciplines, he corrects those he loves. And so if you say your heart on listening, he'll correct you. Not because he doesn't like you or he's mean, but because he wants you to be more fruitful. And again, it's not, oh, I'm, I'm a terrible Christian. You're not a terrible Christian. You're actually a fruitful Christian that's being more fruitful because you're being corrected and pruned. You're a terrible Christian if you're not being pruned. That's the, di- the difference. If you're not being corrected at all, that's the terrible part because it shows we're not listening. The question of why do we not do what we don't do? I think some of us give our no, not because it's scriptural, not because we, we think the Lord really gave, told us to give a no. We give a no because I don't feel like it. Can I tell you, when we give a no because we don't feel like it, we're following the flesh, not the spirit. That's a good word, Pastor Tom. It's not about sin. It's about feelings. And I don't do what I feel like doing. I do what I feel like the Spirit wants me to do. And oftentimes what the Spirit tells me to do, I'm like, I'd rather not do that. But if I want to be fruitful in the kingdom, I do what the Spirit says. And so those are the questions that I want us to wrestle with, and we'll unpack some of them as we go. I unpacked a lot of them last week too, but this idea of, Uh, more presence. This is today's sermon. Today's sermon is more presence in 2024. Um, Even from the outset, I just want to clarify, you you don't really get more of God's presence. Um, When you give your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, that's it. I mean, that's it. You have everything you need for life and godliness. You never get more of the Holy Spirit. He's there. He's a person. He's not like divided up into chunks. You don't, it's not like God's like, okay, I'm going to give you a tenth of the Holy Spirit, and as you grow, I'll give you more. No, you, you have the Spirit. So the idea of more presence isn't what God's going to pour down on us. It's what we're going to allow God to overflow out of us, if that makes sense. Like, it's... It's more about our obedience, our response, our awareness of him, not about what's coming down. Uh, Even in Pentecostal circles, uh, please don't be self-conscious when you pray. Um, I'll I'll agree with you even when you pray. But when we pray about, oh, Lord, rain down, or, oh, Holy Spirit, pour out on us. I'm like, he's already here. Like, oh, Holy Spirit, like, open my eyes to see where you are. Oh, Holy Spirit, you know, remove my stubborn blinders because I'm not letting you overflow out of me. Like, here, here. Like, rivers of living water need to flow out of me. Holy Spirit, they're not flowing out of me, and it's not the culture's fault, and it's not my spouse's fault, and it's not my boss's fault, and it's not the president of the United States' fault, and it's no, it's, ah! Holy Spirit, what's stopping the flow? What adjustment needs to be made in me? We live in a culture now where we blame everybody else for everything. It's, all, it's somebody else's fault for why I'm in the position that I'm in. And it's like, well, that's great. Praise the Lord. You'll get to heaven. But you're not going to be fruitful in the kingdom until you start taking responsibility for what's stopping the flow. Oh, praise the Lord. That's good stuff. 
So we talked about the soils, the parable of the soils. Pay attention to how you hear the word. And how we hear the word doesn't just mean I listen to podcasts or I read the Bible or I go to church and hear sermons. How we hear the word means what am I doing with it? Some of us come to church or listen to podcasts and this is, our hearts are so hard we don't hear anything. Like we leave and we're like, well, that wasn't a very good word today. I often think the word isn't dependent on this person so much as it is these people. Amen, that's a good word, Pastor. I tell people all the time, I don't care what church you attend or what, if they read something from Scripture, there is something in there you can hear. The Holy Spirit, I think, can even take bad doctrine and give you something good from it. I'm fully convinced I could preach something that's not really accurate and the Holy Spirit can take it and put it in your ears in a way that's better. I think He can. But I think if our ears are clogged up or our ears, like when we don't like the person that's preaching, we tend to hear through the lens of like what they used to say more so than what they say now. And that goes vice versa. Sometimes they're preaching crazy weird stuff and we just are like, oh no, they're fine. Well, no, they, you really ought to test it like the Bereans did. And so what Jesus is saying with the parable of the soils is that it's not the word, it's the condition of our hearts. If it's hard, the word won't penetrate. So no fruit will come. But you might be like, oh yes, I, I love this word. Oh, praise God. I, I cried. I went to the altar. I lifted my hands. I responded. Yes, yes, yes. But then it got difficult. So it wasn't fruitful because the fruit got scorched. Because we gave up. We didn't endure. Like if we keep drinking in the rain and we endure, it'll bear fruit. Not today, not tomorrow, maybe not next week. But it will bear fruit. Or we just got busy and we, we were like, wow, man, I started that. Why did I stop doing that? Did you stop doing it because the Holy Spirit said stop? Or did you just get busy and forget? So it's time to revive those things. I believe every one of us in our lives, at some point the Holy Spirit has spoken something and we are not today following through on what He told us to do. And we sometimes use the phrase, we're going around the same mountain. Why do we go around the same mountain? Because we stopped doing what the Holy Spirit told us to adjust in our lives. And we got busy, we forgot, we just went. So we go back to old patterns and habits. And again, not about salvation. I mean, it could be eventually if you keep living that way. But it's about whether or not I want to be more fruitful in the kingdom. And the good soil that keeps drinking in the rain, that keeps persisting, persevering, enduring, produces... A harvest a hundred times, 30, 60 times what was sown. Like it's all about fruitfulness. Jesus in Mark 4 says, Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you used, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. There's a responsibility to do something with what we hear. I want to be clear, salvation comes by faith in Christ alone, not from our works. But just because something is not required for salvation doesn't mean it's not necessary. It doesn't mean it's not expected. It doesn't mean it's not beneficial. Even in the Old Covenant, I think we do a disservice because oftentimes today we say, well, the, the old covenant, the law, was only given to us to show us we couldn't measure up. False. 
The law was not given to a sinful people. The law was given to the people of God, not to people that needed to get right with God. It was given to a people that God already brought out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb, brought them to the mountain, and then said, Now here, as my people, this is how I want you to live. Now how were they made righteous? They were made righteous by their faith. Oh, but they didn't have Jesus yet. What did they put faith in? They put faith in what God said. It's, salvation has always been by faith, never by the law. The law was not given so that you could be made right with God. The law was given to show you that now that you put faith in God and He has declared you righteous by your faith, now this is how you live as the people of God. And the law had provision because they knew you wouldn't be able to do it perfectly. So they, they gave provision. Here's what you do. When you fail, you make a sacrifice. Here's what you do. Once a year, we do one sacrifice for everybody, for all their sins, even the ones that you didn't even know about. This is why it's there. In, look, let me just show you a couple of verses. Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham did what now? He believed the Lord. And because of that, he was made righteous. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, Habakkuk prophesies, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his what now? Faith. I, I, I'm not saying we... We, we can somehow manage to keep the law. We can't. Like, we, we can't keep the law. But the purpose of the law was never to keep it. The purpose of the law was when you came... The law wasn't given to the Gentiles. The law was given to God's people to show them, this is how I want you to live to put me on display. And when you start putting me on display, the Gentiles are going to come to you. Did they ever do it well? No, they didn't. So Jesus came... And he showed them how to live and how to, to properly interpret the law because they weren't interpreting it properly. And then he gave his life once for all so that the sins, known and unknown, could be dealt with so that now Gentiles could be brought in. And it, it's not a matter of do, do we keep the law or not keep the law. It's about putting God on display. But you can't put him on display if you don't even understand the law. I think... We do a great disservice because we don't understand the Old Testament. Therefore, I don't think we understand the New Testament. This is why we do all this teaching here. It's not just because I want to hear myself talk. I want you to understand from beginning to end, this is what it's been. It's always been about faith in God. Whatever revelation level you're at. So prior to Christ, you couldn't put faith in Christ because he wasn't there. But by putting faith in God, Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world and the God of the universe can take the faith in the Old Testament that you put in Him and say that's actually in Jesus and you're just declared righteous because of it. Like we, we get in all these arguments like where do Old Testament people go? Do they go to heaven or do they go to hell? Just put faith in God. And today it's clear. Jesus. Put faith in Jesus. There's no question anymore because he came as the exact representation of God's being. So now it's not about putting faith in God. Now it's about putting faith in Jesus. Oh, that's some good preaching, Pastor Tom. Look at Romans 1.16. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile or the Greek. It is, for in it the righteousness of God 
is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Where did he get that? Habakkuk 2.4. That's where he got it from. You see, you have to understand, Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Do you know where he went after that? He went into Damascus. He got healed of his blindness for three years. The Apostle Paul went and lived in what we now know as modern-day Turkey in Arabia. What did he do for three years? <laughs> he unlearned all that he had learned, and he relearned. Apparently, Jesus taught him for three years the right way to interpret the law. It was blowing Paul's mind. Paul was one of the most studied Jews of, all of, of that day. Such promise in the Jewish culture. And when Paul began to understand the Scriptures through the lens of Jesus, it blew his mind. That's why when he comes back and he starts teaching, like, man, he has gotten stuff that the disciples who lived with Jesus on earth presently for three years didn't get. I mean, even Peter's like, Paul's writing stuff and we don't quite know what he's saying. It's hard to understand. But it's good stuff. This is what Paul did. So, it's all about faith, but then James comes along in James chapter 2. And then he says this, You foolish person, do you want evidence that your faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? What now? I thought it just said he was declared righteous. Yeah. Verse 22, You see, his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. See, it's, it's not just about say a sinner's prayer and you're done for all, you know, just hang on till Jesus comes. If you literally surrender your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, and He begins to say, nope, there's a lot of stuff here we're going to deal with, but we're going to go slow. I'm okay going slow. We're going to take it one step at a time. And somewhere along the line, uh, either we get just lazy or indifferent, or we start thinking the world is the problem, and we just stop growing. And we need to stop in seasons like a fast and say, Holy Spirit, is there things that need to change? In my life? Are there things that you want to work out? Because our actions don't save us. But our actions are the overflow of our salvation. That's why Paul can come along and say, do everything without grumbling and complaining. How do we do this week? We live in a culture where it's the right. You, you have the right to complain, to grumble, um, to bicker, to, and I'm not going to say your salvation is at stake. I would, I'd encourage you to try to walk away from it. Uh, I think it can harden your heart. You can get to the point where you get to the point where you're so unforgiving and so bitter that you can actually turn away from God. I think that's possible. Um, but I think the kingdom fruitfulness of your life is going to be altered by complaining and grumbling. When you live like without complaining and grumbling, Paul says you'll shine like stars. Why will you shine like stars? Because you're going to be fruitful. The kingdom is going to flow out of you because you have taken what your, your grumbling and complaining is all about our flesh. It's all about our flesh. And when we say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit, 
That's what makes the difference. So, again, why do we do what we do? Why do we not do what we don't do? It's not about salvation, but I think it does matter. We're not earning our salvation. We're not becoming the people of God, but we're living out what it means to be the people of God. We're putting Him on display. And what I do affects how fruitful I am. What I do affects what other people taste when I walk in the room. How many of you remember Pigpen off of Charlie Brown? There's a lot of Pigpen Christians that the moment they walk into the room at work, and here's the thing, if you, uh, all of your, if you are surrounded by people, I don't understand, people always misunderstand me. People always, they don't understand how, I'm, how I am. Maybe you should look at that. I'm not saying one or two people, but if it's constant, if people that have always been in authority over you are like, well, that guy, think about it. You've got to think about what's going on that's stopping the flow of fruitfulness in your life. I want to be fruitful. These are questions I ask myself often. How do I become more fruitful? I want to be fruitful. I think you want to be fruitful or you wouldn't be here. And so I'm going to give you what I think this book says. This is how you become fruitful. You want to be fruitful? This is it. And I know it sounds harsh. It's not harsh. Because the reality is everyone in this room has areas that the Holy Spirit needs to prune. Every one of us. And they're all different. And that's why we look at other people and think they're worse off than us because their areas are different than our areas. But Jesus is like, no, actually, you have a log in your eye and you need to learn how to deal with that. Then you're going to be able to see clearly to remove their speck. But if you don't deal with your log, if that's always other people's specks, well, you got a problem. And you will not be fruitful in the kingdom with it. Whoo, that's some good stuff. All right, we got to keep moving. So we're going to go to... John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I want to look at a couple verses, a couple passages of Scripture. We'll see how many we get through. Ah, just looking at what I can just walk away from here. I think I already said all that stuff. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. Oh, here's, here's the thing. Hmm. The, the danger in being a Christian for a long time is we tend to start thinking we deserve something. Because, I mean, we start, like, making sacrifices. We start being fruitful. Um, your fruitfulness is always Him. Always. Always. Because here's the thing. Even when we, we start fasting and we start making adjustments to our lives, we actually think we're doing the adjustments better than we are. <laughs> But here's the thing I love about God. When you just start trying, when you start making adjustments, he starts running. And he just makes you more fruitful. So it's not like you got to get, you got to do like a lot of things. All you got to do is just move. You take one step towards him, he runs towards you. And so at times, the Lord will just drop this huge blessing on our lives. And we're like, oh, thank you, God. And that's not so that we get complacent and think, well, see, I could just stay right here. I don't have to grow anymore because God loves me. He blessed me. Look at, look at all the fruitfulness in my life. Praise the Lord. But he did that to give you a taste and said, if you keep coming, there's more. He didn't do it so you would stay where you are. He didn't do it because, oh, your character has grown perfectly. No, he did it because he's good and he's merciful and he's kind and he loves us. 
Like, that's why he did it. Not because we've done it the greatest. I mean, it's like when your little child brings you a picture and it's like terrible and you're like, oh, that's so wonderful. And you're like, what is it? I don't know. And you're just trying to figure out so you don't like crush them. And it's not good. It's terrible. But you love them and you're going to bless them. That's what he does. So it's not about perfect obedience. It's just about moving towards him. And we're going to talk about that a lot more when we talk about progress next week. And so John chapter 15, here's the key to being fruitful. Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it will be more fruitful. Holy Spirit, I want to be pruned this week. That's my prayer. It should be our prayer. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Get that in your head. You're already clean because it's Jesus. It's about fruitfulness now. Remain in me and I will, as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me. Do you, you hear this repetition? And I in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not about trying harder. It's about learning how to remain better. How do I stay connected to Him? Can I tell you, you've you got to connect to Him first, and then you learn how to stay connected to Him. So it's, we start talking about disciplines. You're not going to be more fruitful if you're not in this book. If, if you're not reading it more today than you read yesterday. If you're not studying it more this year than you did last year. You're not going to be fruitful without it. Like, you're, are you going to go to heaven? I'm so sick of that question. I don't care if you're going to go to heaven. I care if you're going to be fruitful. Because if you're fruitful, you're going to heaven. That's the point. And if you just focus on heaven, you might miss that. But if you focus on fruitfulness, I guarantee you, you're going. So focus on what he's talking about. Don't make it about when you die. Make it about today. Praise God. I do really care if you go to heaven. That came out wrong. Make sure you keep it in context. Oh. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I don't want you to be that branch. I want you to be pruned. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, where will we find his words? And what you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then we argue, what does Jesus mean? Here's the thing. You get close enough to him and find out what he means. Here, oh Lord, I really need provision this week. No, you don't. You need the provider this week. Oh Lord, I need healing this week. No, you don't. You need a healer this week. You need to get him. Because he is the sum total of everything you need. He is your exceeding great reward. And if you learn to walk with him, he is all that you'll ever need. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you don't need provision or clarity or wisdom. I mean, he does say ask for wisdom. But you can ask the all-knowing God of the universe. And for most of us, it's all about, I just want to get, I want to get this and I want to get this and I want to get this. And it's like, no, I just need to get him. I need to get him. Him. So when we read this, how do we, how do we get him? How do we remain in him? How do we, it starts by connecting to him. If we're not in the book, if we're not in prayer, 
Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. If you are not praying regularly, it will affect your fruitfulness. It just will. But here's the reality. (laughs) You can have a routine where you read the Bible and pray every day and still be one of the meanest people on the planet. Because it's not about the activity, it's about the connection. And so if you're not using the activity to connect, and it it really doesn't do what you want it to do. I mean, you'll become very self-righteous, but you will not become righteous. You will not be fruitful. It's not about the routine. But at the same time, there's this tension. If you're not praying regularly, you won't be fruitful. It's just, it's a pattern. We have to respond to the revelation. And everyone sitting in this room, if we pulled you on the way in and said, hey, do you think prayer is important? Yes. Do you think prayer changes things? Yes. How much time did you spend in prayer this week? Or when is your regular time in prayer? Uh... Uh, are we living up to the level of revelation that we have? That's how we become fruitful. We live up to what we have heard. And let me tell you something. If you don't want to live up to what you you have heard, you need to find a different church. Because I'm not going to give you fluff every week. I'm going to make it like, I'm going to put the cookies up here and make you grow. Because I want to see you fruitful. Because as you're fruitful, your marriage is going to be fruitful. I don't care if your spouse is saved, your marriage is going to be fruitful. When you're fruitful, your workplace is going to be fruitful. I don't care if you're the only believer there. You're going to change the atmosphere because you're fruitful. Praise God. Everywhere Jesus went, he changed the atmosphere of the room. You can too. You're going to be fruitful. Over my dead body, you're going to be fruitful. (laughs) Here's the thing. I know that you guys want to be fruitful. The problem is we're like, we're resisting where we need to change. We're resisting where we need to change. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says, those who live according to the flesh... Have their minds set on what the flesh desires. I don't know what you think of when you hear flesh. Um, I mean, you might think of just like major sins. Like we got to avoid major sins. But can I tell you, flesh isn't just sin. Sometimes it's entertainment. Sometimes it's relaxation. Sometimes it's just busyness. That can be flesh. In order to give your yes to the Spirit, you are going to have to give a no to the flesh somewhere. And it's not going to be sin, quote unquote. Because if you want to run with endurance the race God has set out for you, what do you have to throw off? The sin and everything that hinders you. There are fleshly things. Sometimes you say no to food because that's going to say yes to the Spirit. Why? Because you need to learn. Think about godless Esau. Godless Esau. He's called immoral. He's called godless. And why does the Scripture say it? Because he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He didn't value the birthright. He didn't value what God says is the right of the firstborn. And he would rather give his yes to a bowl of soup than to give his yes to what it meant to be the birthright. I mean, the birthright's not just a double portion of the inheritance. There's responsibility. You have to, be, you have to live a certain way. You have to have responsibility. Like, there's a, there's a level that comes with the birthright. It's not just all about how much money you get. 
And if you want to study birthright, look it up, study it, Google it, find a good Bible software passage, it'll talk to you about it. There's a responsibility. I'd rather have soup. And we're like, oh, wow, why would he sell his birthright for a bowl of soup? How many of us are selling our birthright in Christ for Netflix? Oh, Pastor Tom. Is it a sin to watch? No! But if it's, if it's time to give it a no, give it a no. You want to be more fruitful? You're going to have to give a no somewhere. Mindset on what this you, you just can't stay the same. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Oh, Pastor Tom, would you pray for me that I would have life and peace? Well, yes. And God may impart life and peace right now, but if you want to maintain it, you're going to have to like connect to Him. Paul says, if you yield to the Spirit, if you confess your sins to one another, like you... You'll be fruit. You'll have peace. You'll have the peace of God. And it's easier to get in a prayer line and ask for peace than it is to adjust my life so that peace lives. Because here's the thing. If you have surrendered to Christ, all of the peace in the universe <laughs> is in the middle of you. Well, Pastor Tom, why don't I feel peaceful? Well, that's a great question. And take it from someone who struggles with anxiety how does that work? I don't know. I'm working on it. I tell you this, the more I yield to the Spirit, the more peace I have. I shared with you this last week the story in the, the devotional about, um, I always feel like when I have so much to do, I mean, who has time to pray? And men and women of God who have mentored me and taught me said, the more you have to do, the more you need to pray. And they are so right. And I have found that when I pause, if, even if it's just for five minutes, and really just, I mean, it takes at least 15 minutes for me to disconnect from everything, at least. So five minutes doesn't work for me. It needs to be at least 30. To fully disconnect and really just engage my heart and mind on Him, 30 minutes with Him will make me far more productive than 30 minutes without Him. And yet, I still don't always choose it when he says. I promise you, this week for me has been crazy with the start of school. It's always crazy. We had Winterfest, and I have a lot of responsibility to be a part of Winterfest. I started my new class, and my teacher thinks that she's just crazy with the assignments, and I've been overwhelmed, and there's just everything is coming due today at midnight in my life, and there's been these deadlines all week. I don't have time. I mean, I'll do a quick prayer here and there, Lord. And all week long, every single day, there's been a moment in the day where the Holy Spirit says, give me the next 30 minutes. And I'm like, are you nuts? Like, have you seen my to-do list? And I promise you, I, have, I sit here today at peace that everything's going to be done tonight by midnight. And yet somehow I, I struggled every point to give up that 30 minutes. But the fruitfulness of my life is bound up in doing this. And I don't sit before you as someone who's done it perfect, made lots of mistakes, I fail often, I follow my flesh. I'm just telling you, this works. And for you, it's going to be different than it is for me. You're not able to steal away 30 minutes in the middle of your day. Your boss is going to be like, what are you doing? But if you have a 15-minute break that's coming to you, use that 15-minute break to just connect. 
to connect. God, I need to connect with you because, man, I have been crabby today. Or, man, I am just, like, that person is annoying me and they're not my problem. It's me. God, I need, I need new perspective. I need freshness. I need to connect to you. Those, let's look at verse 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God is in you. Now, the realm of the flesh means that you don't have the Spirit of God. Earlier he was saying you can't, because you can be a follower of God and still say yes to the flesh, but now he's talking about people that are without the Spirit in the realm of the flesh. A little bit different. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. That's a weird word to use. We have an obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Man, I gotta give... You, if you're not giving a yes to something that you'd rather say no to, I wonder if you're listening to the Spirit of God. If you're not giving a no or a yes where you'd rather not, the question is, nobody's that spiritual. Nobody. Not even the Apostle Paul. Where's that place? And for some of you, the minute I started talking today, the Holy Spirit was all over you. And you're like, oh, not this again. Man, can I tell you, when you start saying yes to his minor adjustments, you will kick yourself for not doing it sooner. It will change everything. Not instantly, but eventually. One last scripture from Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Okay. He was a centurion. Oh, a Gentile. In what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. Wow. Pretty good for a Gentile in this day. I mean, devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. I love this story. We're here today because of this story. Because there was a guy in the Italian regiment who gave generously and prayed regularly. God had a window where he could say, hey, I told my disciples that they need to take this message to the Gentiles. They're not getting it. So I need your help. I need you to call a guy named Peter. And he's going to come to your house. He even tells him where to get him. And Peter comes, and while Peter's preaching, lest Peter think that it's still not the time, the Holy Spirit falls on these people before they even know who the Spirit is. And they begin to speak in tongues. And Peter's like, what is going on? But then Peter starts making the connection. And then Paul comes onto the scene after his three years. And he's like, God has called me as a, a, a missionary to the Gentiles. And it's like, voila. 
But can I tell you, Cornelius didn't have to obey the law. He didn't have, it, it wasn't about what Cornelius didn't know. It was about the level of revelation that Cornelius had. He didn't just give. He gave generously. He didn't just do the minimum. He did whatever was necessary. Do you, you understand that? It's not, well, how much can I do and get by? This is, the, the church today, there are way too many Christians that, well, do I need to, if I do this, will I, will I be a non-Christian? If I do this, will I get to, I mean, we're asking questions that this book doesn't answer. Because this book says, you're going to go from glory to glory, you're going to go from fruitful to more fruitful, and it's not asking the question of how much can I get by with. In fact, if you don't give up everything, you're not worthy to be my disciple, is the words of Jesus. And we want to dumb it down and say, just say this prayer, and Jesus will come into your heart and you'll go to heaven when you die. Where's that message? It's all about fruitfulness. And this guy gave generously, and this guy prayed regularly. You know what regularly means? He did it consistently. He did it in a pattern. I mean, here's a guy that doesn't even have the Spirit of God living in him. <laughs> but guess what? The Spirit of God is obviously at work in his life because there's no way that he is giving generously and praying regularly if the Spirit of God is not present somehow. Was he a Christian, a believer? I don't know. That's above my pay grade. But what I do know is that God somehow had revealed himself to Cornelius. Cornelius responded to that level of revelation. And when he responded consistently to that revelation, he got more. And his fruitfulness is still affecting us today. How many of you are like, oh, I want that for my life. That could be us. You could change the destiny of generations of your family. And all you have to do is live up to what you've already attained. You have to be obedient to the, the, what he's already given you. There's a prophetic word that was spoken over your life 10 years ago. What are you doing with that? That thing that the, the Holy Spirit last year said, hey, you really need to work on this area of your life. What are you doing with that? This isn't about feel bad for yourself, be guilty or shame-filled. This is about, oh yeah, man, I need to go back to that thing. I need to rehearse that thing again. I need to remember. I need to recall that. I need to put that into practice again. I don't have time for shame and guilt and condemnation. It's time to start doing again what he said to do. I think, this could just fully be my opinion, I think what makes one person more effective than others or what makes one church more effective or more fruitful than others is whether or not we're living up to what we've received. Are we living up to what we've received? There, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, there could be sin. There could be ineffective systems. There could be selfishness in our lives or in our church. That could be what it is. But what makes one church more fruitful than others? I believe the more you live up to what you've already given your yes to, the more fruitful you become. We're a Pentecostal church. What have we given our yes to? Well, we believe the Spirit of God is active and working today. We believe 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The manifestations of the Spirit are for today. They should be operating in our lives. How are we doing with that? What are you doing daily to connect with the Holy Spirit, to use the prayer language that He's given you? Do, do we come in and sit down at the beginning of the service and as Thaddeus is up here, um, you know, being blessed by his sports teams, Lord, I take a little of his blessing. 
um, you know, all of a sudden, like, I'm just like, I'm going to put my hands out and I'm going to pray in the Spirit for 30 seconds because I, I want to get out of myself and I want to hear what the Spirit... It, a minor adjustment. Because if we claim to be a Pentecostal, born-again, Spirit-filled church, but we're not living up to it, we're not going to be fruitful. We believe in the power of prayer. Are we living up to that? If you're a voting partner of this church, can I tell you, you have committed to tithe to this church. Tithe means I give 10% of my income un, just to the general account. I don't, I don't label where this goes. I don't give it to missions. I don't, that's tithing. Like That's what our church has decided. We've taught about binding and loosing. What does the Scripture say? The Scripture says this. You give 10%. Every church doesn't believe that. We do. If you've signed up, yes, I want to be a voting partner of this church, and you're not following through on your commitment, it's going to affect your fruitfulness. Read Malachi chapter 3. Read the, the people of God. God's saying, you know what? It, this isn't about money. This, isn't about, this is about your response to me. I once preached a sermon on tithing, and someone got saved. Yeah. I didn't even give an altar call. They told me three weeks later, I was just asking, hey, I noticed you've been coming back to church. Yeah, I gave my life to the Lord. That day you preached on tithing. Like, how do you get saved when you preach on tithing? Like, that, boom. So it somehow unlocked in their heart. Like, they knew about the Lord. They knew about, but it unlocked in their heart. Can I tell you, your fruitfulness is probably bound up in your area of most resistance. Where are you resisting? For some of you, it's in money. For some of you, it's in time. For some of you, it's in your attitude. For some of you, it's in your mouth. Like, it's going to be different for all of us, and it's, it's not going to be a major change. Don't commit to, I'm not going to complain one time this week. Oh, please, Lord, help us. You're not going to make it. One minor adjustment. I'm not going to complain about this this week. And watch, when you just say, Lord, okay, What's the thing I complain about most? That, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to, Lord, help me not to complain about that thing this week. And His Spirit not only will empower you to do that, you'll be surprised at the end of the week how much less you complained. That's how this works. It's connecting to Him. It's being honest with Him. But it's giving our yes where we give our yes. You cannot stay the same and grow. And so over the next 21 days, my hope is that you'll lean into what the Holy Spirit is saying, that you'll take this time of fast to say, Holy Spirit, what adjustments need to be made to my life internally, externally? Like, what do I need to do? I know some of you are going to disagree with me on that point. Disagree with me on that point. That's fine. But honestly, I believe when we give our yes like, even at an organization, I had a conversation this week with a friend of mine that leads an organization, and I said, you know, people give their yes to an organization, and they, they sign up, and they do something, but then they don't follow through on the, the regulations or the requirements of that organization. One, the fruitfulness of that individual, I think, is affected, because if you give your yes and don't really give your yes, that's going to affect your fruitfulness, Period. It's also going to affect the effectiveness of that organization as a whole. 
And he just looked at me and said, wow, that's an interesting perspective. I've never thought of that. And I said, that, yeah, I get that all the time. Um, my brain works different. I don't know. But when I make the connections in Scripture, I want you fruitful. I want you fruitful at work. I want you fruitful at church. I want you fruitful in your home. I want you fruitful in our city. I want you fruitful. And if we're giving our yes haphazardly or our no haphazardly, it is going to affect our fruitfulness. And so if you can't give your full yes to an organization you're a part of, step down. Step away from it for now. Get your yeses in order. Get your noes in order. And then grow from that. Because some of us give our yes too many places and then we can't give our yes. That affects our fruitfulness. It affects our peace. Oh, where does anxiety come from? Heaven help us. Don't you love when you just get revelation in the middle of a sermon in front of everybody and you're like, bah. where does it come from? Get your yeses in order. Get your noes in order. And your first yes has to be to connect to Him. Because if you're not connected to Him, man, there's no chance you're going to get your yeses in order. That's, that's what I got for you today. Man, I, I know that's a load, and I know some of it's heavy, and I hope it didn't come across condemning. I hope it was, like, challenging. And we're going to pray into it in just a second. In fact, uh, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we're going we're gonna to close today by praying together. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit not to overwhelm any of us like I did, um, but I'm going to ask him to speak so cl clearly and plainly in this week ahead where our yes needs to go and where our no needs to go. Okay, so let's go. Father, oh, thank you, Father, that you, that you love us. God, that you come towards us. God, that you are all about blessing, filling, God, you want to, your people to be fruitful and prosper. And so I pray right now, Holy Spirit, whether in this moment or in this week ahead, show us the adjustments that need to be made to our yes, to our no. God, that there is more of your presence overflowing in our lives in 2024. God, thank you for the fruitfulness of this body. Thank you for the fruitfulness of its individual members. But God, we want to be more fruitful. So we give you full access this week. Prune away. Prune away. Holy Spirit, help us in those pruning moments to not give a place to shame or guilt or condemnation, but help us in those pruning moments to know that you love us and you're making us more fruitful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a great word this morning from Pastor Tom. I, I read a book years ago, and it talked about the difference of voice of God and the voice of the enemy. The vo voice of the enemy is the voice of condemnation, where it will speak down to you, it will, it will speak lies over you. But the voice of God is conviction. It's challenging. It, it, it's the pruning voice. And so I love that, that message this morning. Hope, more presence in 2024 can't actually have more presence of God, but we can have a heightened awareness. Thanks for being here this morning. So grateful that you took some time out to, to be here and, and join us for our service. If you want information about things that are going on over the next week and over the next month, make sure you grab a calendar. Check out the Church Center app. If you don't know how to do that, you can come talk to myself or Pastor Tom or maybe somebody up here in the tech pit down here. 
But we want to uh, bless you as you go about your day and about your week, as you have more presence of the Holy Spirit. Thanks, everybody. If you want to join us for the 21 days of fasting as well, you can still do that. We're on the YouVersion app. Uh, there's emails that have been sent, but again, you can come talk to one of us if you want to be added to that this week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Take care.